Welcome to the High Action Podcast. I'm your host, John Story, along with the New West Guitar Group, Perry Smith in Brooklyn, New York, Will Braun in California. Thank you so much for joining us today. Good to be here, John. That's right. On episode 17 today, we're going to discuss rhythm guitar and define what rhythm guitar is, talk about some rhythm guitar techniques, and who our, uh, some of our favorite rhythm guitar players are. There certainly is not a shortage of, of those out there. But before we do that, I just want to remind our listeners that this podcast is made possible by Radial Engineering, creator of audio solutions for recording studios and live stages from direct boxes to unique switchers and reamp devices. For more information, visit radialeng.com. Well, guys, you know what? It was NAM weekend, and there was plenty of parking in Anaheim. Was I it? went down there. I got there early, and I couldn't believe it. The first NAM that I could just park anywhere around. Well, actually, I'm joking. It was wow. not NAM weekend. You know. Yeah, I was wondering about that. That because yeah, that got canceled, right? Well, they've rescheduled it for June, and we're so stoked. You know, for our listeners who are new to the podcast and the New West Guitar Group, we've actually gone down there and represented a bunch of product groups, including Radial Engineering, today's official sponsor, but also Henriksen Amplifiers and a bunch of other companies over the years. Uh, I don't know. NAM is the thing that you love to hate and you hate to love. Um, but yeah, it's coming back in June. Um, you know, and I was, I was getting a little nostalgic cause some of my, you know, Facebook memories were popping up, you know, Will, what's one of your favorite Nam memories? And by favorite, I put that in quotation marks. Huh? Favorite Nam memories, not getting COVID in January, 2020 is definitely up Yay. there. Um, I don't know, just hanging at the Henriksen booth. I mean, that's yeah. talk about nostalgia, you know? Yeah, man. Shout out to Peter and, and Howard Paul at Benedetto Guitars because, man, they, they always create, like, the most comfortable situation at NAMM with the, with the booth and the chair the and couch. everything. Um, but, yeah, you know, I, I, I miss the pre-corona days where we were just kind of run into people and talk to them, you know, and see how they were doing. And NAMM was the epitome of that, right, Perry? I mean, I'm sure you've got some fun memories over the years. We sure will go way back 20 years ago at the NAMM show now. Yes, absolutely. NAM uh, is a great thing to experience at least a number of times. And I think the memory that I have that's pretty funny is when we were sponsoring Cordoba guitars and they were like, yeah, just do an acoustic set in the main hall. And we, we you know, we thought, okay, sure, why not? And uh, that was a tough, tough gig, man, because you're yeah. competing with like, you know, the Marshall booth next to it or like the PV booth and yeah. yeah, we were trying to play like gypsy jazz guitars. and That kind of gave us an insight into the real NAM that was like around in the 80s and 90s, man, when it was a total free-for-all. I mean, over the past years, it's gotten better because they have the sound police, and they you know, kind of seem to organize certain booths a little bit better now than they did back then. Like Cordoba is over by the woodwind section or the book section, you know? Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, hey, you know, the NAM, you know, organization it does so much for music education. They do a lot to just, you know, help students in need to get them musical instruments and, you know, also help connect all of our mom-pop music retailers out there that are becoming more few and far farther between. So we'll we'll look forward to returning there one of these days. I mean, coming up in September, we have our own NAM show that New West is headlining called the Rocky Mountain Archtop Guitar Festival way out in Arvada, Colorado. So for those of you looking for more information on that, visit henriksenamps.com. Peter Henriksen is hosting once again, and New West will be the featured ensemble on Sunday, September 12th. So be sure to get your tickets for that ASAP. All right, cats, well, let's get right into it. Episode 17, Rhythm Guitar. I mean, 
it's it's one of these things that's such a world to talk about. There's no way we can do this in 30 minutes, but there's definitely some stuff we can break the ice with for our listeners. I mean, when it comes to playing rhythm, especially on this old L5, you know, to me, that's about as American as apple pie. Apple pie with... With ice cream. Oh no! Here we go. Talking food at nine in the morning. I'm, I'm done. You're in I'm trouble. Totally You're in trouble. I'm in trouble. <laughs> I'm in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. But hey, you know, playing rhythm guitar. It's interesting. I mean, Perry, how would you define what rhythm guitar is in a nutshell? Ooh, man, that is. It's a, it's a tough question to answer like that. Uh, I guess really just the phrase, the feel. Mm-hmm. You know, the feel is it's what it's really all about, and. Uh, I'm really looking forward to this episode. I've been looking forward to it because I feel like the more you can um, connect rhythm guitar to every aspect of your playing, uh, the better your feel is all over. You know, and yeah. a lot of the people we interviewed in season one talked about how important you know that sort of melding of rhythm guitar and lead guitar was. So when you said at the top of this episode that there's no shortage of rhythm guitar players, I actually I don't know if I agree. I feel like in some ca- in some cases that rhythm guitar is overlooked uh, and there's a lot more guitar players that focus on playing uh, lead lines and focus on playing, um, you know, more like a horn player as opposed to like a rhythm instrument. Mm-hmm. And so to me, it's really all about the feel. And that's why I got my big uh, D'Angelico here today, uh, mm-hmm. the old Japanese reissue. And yeah, I just try to, you know, I put higher action on it put 13s on it and just for years in new west we've spent so much time figuring out how to make the guitar feel good you know mm-hmm. so i just kind of let me turn up my volume here on that a little bit one two three you know yeah. just trying to get a very percussive feel with still um the presence of harmony yeah, so it's a percussive feel, the presence of harmony, and a supportive role. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, your comment, you're right. I mean, in jazz guitar in particular, I think the trend has been for younger players to focus less on accompanying and more on leading, being like a horn player, being like a monophonic instrument. Yeah. And that's kind of a tragedy because there's so much beauty in how guitarists played jazz guitar from, say, 1920 all the way up through even the 60s. I mean, even torchbearers like the Oscar Peterson Trio and stuff and how they played, right? Yeah. Right, Will? I'm curious how you would define rhythm guitar, both in the sense of jazz guitar, but also just kind of in the broader sense of what is rhythm guitar playing? Well, I think just to kind of repeat what Perry said, the rhythm should be there, whether it's single notes or whether it's comping. And like, maybe a good exercise, I'll stick in B flat. Yeah, man, that's great. And the flow. I mean, we, I think that's been a theme of the High Action Podcast is talking about how as guitarists we can learn to have more flow between 
all of these ways of playing this this beautiful instrument, you know. Um, again, for our listeners who are just checking us out on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, the guys and I today are using our full arch tops. I've got my L5. Will's got his 175. Perry has his D'Angelico New Yorker reissue. It's a slick guitar, very cool guitar. If you're curious to watch the video, be sure to check us out on Patreon. We've been posting our, our episodes there in full uh, for our Patreon subscribers to check out. Um, you know, something that I thought would be kind of fun, too, real quick, as we're doing some playing. Uh, I want to talk about some great rhythm guitarists, and we yeah. can talk about them in the jazz context. I mean, there's certainly some great jazz ones when yeah. you go way back. Um, but it'd be kind of fun to imitate some of these guys, too. I mean, Ooh. for me, when I think of Freddie Green, yeah. we all have a Freddie Green way of playing. And I'd be really curious, just really quick, to go around and do that. We have all mm -hmm. kind of already done it. But let me go ahead and start. I'll give you my best impression of Freddie Green, okay? And how he played for 50 years, 1937 to 1987, in the Count Basie Orchestra. Little rhythm changes right there. How about you, Perry? Yeah, gosh. Well, a couple things come to mind. First of all, he's holding the guitar um, kind of up and out, right, to get as much projection as possible. It's kind of away from his body. I don't have a strap on this, but I'll hold it up like this. And uh, yeah, I'll, I'll play a little bit of Melotone, but it's that same thing. It's that real thuddy kind of lack of uh, upstrokes, too. He doesn't do a whole lot mm -hmm. of upstrokes and a real thuddy approach. One, two, three, I go. Now here, here's a question: to accent two and four, or to not accent two and four? What do you think, Perry? Yeah, when playing Freddie Green, right? I think a little accent on two and four is is good. It doesn't have to be overly exaggerated, um, mm -hmm. but that's a lot of how I try to get the feels with my right hand kind of coming a little forward onto the uh, fingerboard, onto the frets, maybe like the fourteenth, fifteenth fret. It kind of hits a little bit on. And that gives a little bit more of that percussive feel. And I remember seeing another great rhythm guitar player, John Pisano, doing that a lot uh, when we were in L.A. with him. And he would really have a nice way of getting that, that wrist on the right hand forward on the second and fourth beat. And it's kind of like a drummer, you know, like stirring the soup or something. Uh, Bucky Pizzarelli, really great about that. I was really great about that. John Pizzarelli is really great about that. So... Russell Malone, another great. Ah, you're getting player. you're getting down the list. This is great because this is yeah for yeah. sure. We want to get to all these great names too. Will, how about you? Let's hear your best Freddie Green take. All right, I'm gonna do it over some "Ain't Misbehaving." Great. Yeah. Stop in the middle nice. of the chorus. It's nice. And, you know, th th like that too, like playing things really straight. You know, when we listen to the iconic Freddie Green recordings, I mean, 
you know, Basie live at the Sands, you know, or I think Atomic Basie is one of the better recordings because you really hear Freddie like they got a mic closer to him. And I've and if you've ever uh, for the listeners been curious about Freddie's playing, there's an awesome website. I think it's just FreddieGreen.net. One, there was a guitarist years ago that transcribed a bunch of what he was doing on those recordings. And something that he mentioned was that Freddie played pretty steady um, quarter notes in that band. And I remember talking to John Clayton a lot about this, who got to play with Freddie a couple times. And that it was it was very steady in that band because he felt that Freddie felt that it punched more when the chords were equal. And then, you know, when you listen to Bucky Pizzarelli, John Pizzarelli, they get that awesome snap on two and four. Where you get almost like a hi-hat kind of sound. Mm -hmm. And I remember asking Pizzarelli about that once, and he said that it was kind of a throwback to the banjo styles that Bucky used to play. Um, Because Bucky's family, they were all banjoists before they were guitarists. So we've heard a lot of banjo players play like that in trad music and, mm-hmm. and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's interesting, that world of like accenting two and four, not accenting two and four. Um, and lastly, another great Freddie Green resource, go check out, um, there's a couple videos that the Jazz at Lincoln Center um, has done. And I forget, who's the guitarist, Perry, that, that did those videos? Um, what, do you James Cirillo. Oh. Yeah, James Cirillo, and he does one with an L5 like mine with pickups, and he does another one on a purely acoustic arch top, and he talks a lot about that looseness of the wrist, Perry, that you were saying about Mm -hmm. forward, back, forward, back, which I agree. I think that that really helps the natural swing that you think of like this magic eight shape versus like an up, down, up, down is a little too rigid for that kind of feel. What about uh, left-hand muting? Does he get into that at all? Because that's a big factor. Uh, when I try and teach rhythm guitar, that's one of the hardest things for people to kind of coordinate. <laughs> Definitely. It, you know, and, and for me, I, I really believe that the muting is as important as which notes you're pressing down on the string because it gives the impression of snares on a snare drum. So your pick is going across the strings and getting more of that that sound that actually brings me to another point today to talk about are what kind of picks are your ideal picks if you're just honing in on your rhythm playing uh you know we talk in new west a ton about picks especially like if one of us is playing a real rhythm guitar role mm-hmm. you know traditionally i'll hold up to the screen here i've got my blue chip uh 35 bg 35 which i like or bc 35 excuse me which i love for single lines but i really like personally fender mediums and dunlop prime tone picks for me to kind of get more of a rhythm sound Uh, for instance here's the fender medium versus a shorter smaller stubbier pick it's a darker sound and it almost brings out more of the acoustic guitar for me when i play the medium pick how about you guys perry Um, Yeah, well, it's funny you mentioned Blue Chip, a company that we love. I'm also playing uh, Blue Chip. I'm using a large 40 Blue Chip here, which I like, uh, especially for rhythm guitar stuff. I'd probably use the um, smaller 40, which I have a lot, which I use for like uh, more single note stuff. But when it comes to rhythm guitar, yeah, I like a larger um, plectrum for that. But remember, this is this is a this is a thick, heavy pick, right? So the Fender Medium is great for rhythm guitar, especially when you're doing like something perhaps outside of jazz. Like, you know, when you're playing uh, maybe more like pop or commercial stuff on an acoustic guitar, Fender Medium's perfect. 
if you're on a solid body and you're trying to get like a real kind of like funk or R&B pocket, I feel like Fender Medium is great for that too. So, I mean, the thing with rhythm guitars, there's just so much. There's just so many, you know, genres and avenues to go down. Uh, yeah, it's pretty fascinating. Totally. I mean, Will, what, what are your favorite picks yeah. to use if you're having to kind of record a track or stay in a zone where you're playing rhythm on an arch top? So, <clears throat> as you mentioned, blue chip picks, I would say for me, the STP-40, which is a small triangular-ish shaped one, um, it's got three sides. You can you basically have three picks in one. The way that it feels on the string, the way that it punches, it's the best. However, I will admit, I was actually I've been uh, I've been enjoying the D'Andrea Proplex again. Hey, because um, they just give a rounder sound. Um, and I feel that they interact better with amplifiers or with pickups. Mm -hmm. I, I think blue chip, the STP-40 in my case, if you have a mic up on your arch top, that's that game over. That's the pick I will always use for that, without cool. a doubt. Very cool. Yeah, and, you know, with picks, for you know, it's for me, it's not only just a sound issue, it's a feel issue. I, you know, feeling how that pick hits the string and if there's too much kind of resistance or if it rolls off the string. The thing I love about blue chips is they just... They just attack, have such a beautiful attack on the string. It's so natural. I mean, I'm a, I mostly actually am more naturally a finger guitar player than I am a pick guitar player. And blue chips have been one of the only flat picks I've ever used that make it. I sometimes just forget I got a pick in my hand. They just they interface so well mm -hmm. with the strings and. Yeah, and, and you know, Perry, we've we've talked to New West about mm -hmm. switching between picks, even like in the middle of a song, and it's so much to deal with. Some guitar players yeah. even put picks, like hide them on their guitar. You yeah. remember what Frank used to do? He'd put Frank Potenza would put a pick on the guitar so he'd switch between it, right? Yeah, Bruce Foreman would put it in his mouth. I think he still does sometimes. <laughs> you know, just to get a little yeah, sanitary a little extra uh, <laughs> extra speed on the strings when he takes it off. No, who knows? Um yeah, it, there's something to that though. You know, I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to play a bunch of rhythm guitar uh, with a pick that is designed for single notes. You know, and, yeah. and, and vice versa. Yeah. But yeah, everyone's got a different approach, and and that's that's okay too. But I think it really just comes down to sort of the rhythm guitar in the genre and the style that you're trying to get into. We're talking about Freddie Green a little bit. We're talking about jazz a little bit more here. So we're trying to get like that acoustic kind of arch toppy. Uh, blend of a sound but again there's just so much rhythm great rhythm guitar and other genres too you know yeah and i go back to the josh smith interview that we did for those listeners yeah. who checked out season one and we talked so much about rhythm playing in that and how rhythm guitar shaped his ability to lead as a band leader and have just time feel that is so solid i mean Rhythm guitar is like the foundation of your house, guitarists. Like, it takes forever to get your foundation set when you're building a house, right? And then the rest of the house gets built a lot quicker, but you really have to let the cement sit. To me, that's years of gigging and years of playing and years of accompanying. Like we talked about accompanying a vocalist the other week. You can really exercise this over the course of a gig, accompanying a vocalist playing Freddie Green or playing in other styles of, of rhythm guitar as well too, right? Perry, you had something to add? Oh, just that I, yeah, I fully agree with that. And I think all three of us have had a unique opportunity, especially within New West Guitar Group, like a direct opportunity to really force ourselves to play rhythm guitar that's going to carry a band. So yeah. That's, yeah. that's a unique experience. 
Indeed, for sure. I mean, especially in the New West guitar group. I mean, this has been like a rhythm guitar boot camp for 20 years for me. You yeah. Know? <laughs> I feel yeah. like everything I've learned about, I need a shirt. Everything I learned about rhythm guitar, I learned in New West guitar group, you know. Certainly um, a lot. But, that's uh, for sure. Exactly. But, you know, going on here, you guys, this I, this was other question I had for you guys today. I mean, as our listeners can tell, when we each get to lead the interviews, it's kind of fun because it's almost a way for us to interview one another and kind of get each other's thoughts on this. You know, besides Freddie Green, okay, and even Bucky Pizzarelli, you know, there's so many other great rhythm guitarists in jazz and people that are just off of the branch of jazz. Um, and I'd like to list a couple of them. And I'd also like to hear each one of us maybe try to imitate one of their rhythm guitar styles if possible. Mm. So for instance, one of my favorite rhythm guitarists next to Freddie Green and the Pizzarellis is Jim Hall. I think mm. Jim was one of the greatest rhythm guitarists ever. And the way I imitate Jim's playing is with a lot of upstrokes because he actually strummed the guitar when he played, especially in like duo situations with Ron Carter. Um, and even later in his life with drummers, you know, he would play. He would get a lot of that in the playing. And I just love that. You even hear that on the bridge with Sonny Rollins, which is oh, considered yeah. to be one of the most definitive jazz guitar recordings. How about you, Perry? Who's another rhythm guitarist that you might be able to imitate a little bit? Ooh, man. Um, well, Jim Hall is definitely great. I would probably put um, Matheny in that genre as well, because I feel like Matheny can kind of just be in whatever category of guitar he chooses, uh, he's going to be probably the best in it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, rhythm guitar, especially if I had my acoustic, with it, which I don't with me, but just he was very inspiring um, for New West, Matheny, because of the way that he had that real loose wrist uh, when it came to open strumming. So even just things like, I'll try it on my D'Angelico, where he'd be playing like Summertime in seven. Let's see if I can do this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, that kind of like real loose open strumming that he's done for so many years. Um, yeah, Matheny. All right, Pat Matheny. Will, how about you, man? Well, I mean, uh, Django Reinhardt, you know, uh -huh. who, who's... Not super different from Freddie Green, but I would say just in general, the way he approached it was a lot more aggressive um, and sharp and even the guitar I was using. So I actually switched to a thinner pick just to try to get a little more, you know, aggression. But I mean, if you listen to um, what if I try a little bit of Swing 40, Swing 42, yeah, we know that yeah, arrangement. Yeah. I mean, and the inflections he would add, sometimes he would literally just be hammering yeah. a diminished chord behind the soloist, which is kind of an abrasive way of comping, but I mean, it certainly adds tension, especially like if there's not a snare drum, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, he really dug in. Oh, yeah. Um, and granted, he was playing, you know, one of those basically acoustic gypsy jazz guitars. Right, right. Um, 
And if you hear, there's a couple recordings of him where he's playing through an amplifier. Yeah. And I will be honest, it does not sound good because his playing style, it has to be acoustic. Mm. If it's going through electronics, it sounds really abrasive. Mm -hmm. Mm. Yeah. I mean, Eddie Lang too, you know, he really played the guitar. Like you listen to Eddie Lang and that guy, the action was so high off the strings and that guy was really playing kind of how bass players play. I mean, it was really an intense instrument. We have it so good these days on this guitar with all the amplifiers and stuff. And, and that's great. You know, I just made a couple other lists of some other people who'd be kind of fun to imitate. Um, Barney Kessel, you know, when you listen to him play in a trio, he's got all these like, and he'll go between playing chords. the way that like Scotty Moore would play behind Elvis Presley, you know? Yeah. And how about Herb Ellis in Oscar Peterson's band? He would go from playing very quiet like this and he would do like these longer quarter notes. And a great recording of that is live at the Stratford Shakespearean Festival where they do like, um, you know, falling in love with love and his rhythm guitar palette is so wide and who did he get that from oscar moore who played in nat king cole's trio and oscar invented kind of that conga guitar approach you know where he would play like this behind nat and then he would go on route 66 he would play these two note middle voicings a lot of the times and just kind of And I think, Will, back to your point, Oscar's one of these transitional players who went from the acoustic jazz guitar into the electric jazz guitar in the 40s and 50s. He really learned that the instrument could sing nicely in that middle range. And mm-hmm. I can't think of other people who were comping in the 40s and, and early 50s that were like that, where they were playing these little punchy chords. Most of those guitar players were still playing with those big banjo-style chords. So... Um, yeah, I mean, anything to add on th- that era? Joe Pass is another one who played with Oscar around that time and had his own rhythm guitar approach. Um, Perry, anything to add with those guys? Not really from that era. I have a few other people to mention from a, from different eras that I feel like are important just to throw in. Um, mm-hmm. The first being Al McKay, uh, the great uh, R&B rhythm guitar player that played with um, Earth, Wind & Fire uh, for many years. Also, Ike and Tina Turner. I think Al McKay is definitely worth mentioning if we're going to do a podcast about rhythm guitar. And also uh, the rhythm guitarist for James Brown, Jimmy Nolan, I believe. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, just that chicken scratch way of playing rhythm guitar, like it drives and grooves so much. Um, And then I'd also add to that list a more of a contemporary artist like uh, Paul Jackson Jr., you know, who's Mm -hmm. been like a studio machine for decades and all of her mj recordings and just incredible rhythm guitar playing Um, oh totally so yeah man those three i would add and and then i would also put russell malone we have to give russell and george benson of course uh (laughs) in there and i'd even put bruce foreman in that list because i think his rhythm guitar playing is on point for sure totally man well, you know, here's a pop quiz for you guys, too, with a rhythm guitar player who's in that same world as Al McKay, who was one of the guitarists who recorded on Thriller, but also had recorded at some point with Gary Burton. Oh, uh, uh, your, your cat, the cat you played with, right? Uh, the... No, I never got to play with him. He passed away a number of years ago. 
Oh, he played was... a super 400, and he was partially bald, and he recorded a lot with George Benson. He was on a lot of CTI records, but he also recorded with Quincy Jones, Roberta Flack, and he's one of the guitarists on Thriller. And you're going to have to tell us. Eric Gale. Eric Gale. Hmm. Oh, yeah. right. Okay. And, and he's another guy that is, I mean, yeah. iconic and recorded probably on more records in the 20th century, way up there, top five guitar players. I mean, that guy, and he's a great jazz player, too. So Eric Gale... Um, and you mentioned Paul Jackson Jr. I mean, he invented a style, a way of playing rhythm guitar that we all basically are called to play upon, which is playing melodic, percolated rhythm guitar parts. Yeah. And that guy is a genius, and he's a phenomenal jazz player and a fellow USC alum. So fight on studio guitar. There you go. So yeah, you guys. Well, this has been so much fun. You know, the last question I had as we wrap up here for both of you guys: mm -hmm. if you guys were to choose one electric guitar and one acoustic guitar to have as your main primary rhythm guitar, like you're just going to a session, regardless if it's jazz or anything else, what would that electric guitar be, and what would that acoustic guitar be, Perry? Well, so what the, the okay, the question is what's the electric guitar and what's the acoustic guitar for a session? Any genre? Yeah, just for playing rhythm guitar. Like if somebody hired you, you're going to play some rhythm guitar, there's going to be some yeah. acoustic, there's going to be some electric. What would be your first choice for an instrument that's versatile enough to cover as much stuff as possible? Probably a strat for the electric and mm -hmm. and for the acoustic. Yeah, I would just I would just bring my I would just probably bring my Taylor, Taylor mm -hmm. acoustic, just because sometimes the trout guy is so nice, but it's like too nice, you know? Yes. <laughs> it's too nice for just your every, for your just sort of run of the mill studio session. But yeah, you can't so go true. wrong with a strat and a dreadnought, you know, when you're trying mm -hmm. to play some rhythm. So how about you, Will? Yeah, well, Perry kind of said it. Those are the only two guitars I really play anymore. I would bring a Stratocaster and an arch top similar to this 175. Yeah. And that, that covers the whole gambit. Yeah, you know, and I mean, for me, I would probably bring my Strat or a Tele if I was also going to be soloing on stuff, but I probably would err on a 335 just for my taste to, with the 335 having still some, some acousticness to it. And um, yeah. for, a, for an acoustic guitar, you know, to me, it's kind of either the Martin D18 or a Martin OM. You have like two types of acoustic guitar sounds and definitely like an OM parlor guitars type of thing for me. Because I can get a Django-y, arch-toppy sound that's darker with a smaller acoustic that with a smaller body. The bigger, beautiful acoustic guitars like all of us play, the Traugots, the Callings, all of these big instruments um, are oftentimes um, way too much to, to sit into a mix. So those are kind of, those are those are at least my choices. And beautiful. it's always fun to talk gear with you guys, for yeah. sure. Beautiful, yeah. Well, um, man, this is a great episode. We're definitely coming back to this one. Next week, Will's going to be leading Melody Interpretation. So that will be really fun. So thank you for the listeners uh, for sticking around with us each week, checking out all these themes. Yep. John, anything to add? Any final words? Yes. Yes, for sure. Follow us on Patreon so you guys can check the video out today of some of us playing these chord shapes. If any of you guys want lessons or any other info on some of this stuff, just reach out to us directly. You can find us on Instagram at the High Action Podcast. Uh, I want to give a shout out to Danny and his teacher, Jimmy Chaseman, uh, out at, S at Santa Monica College. They're our new uh, Patreon followers, and uh, we got a bunch of the guitar students over at Santa Monica College listening to the podcast each week. So thanks for tuning in, Jimmy. We appreciate it, you guys. Fantastic. Building the community. I like it. One string at a time. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>